This episode of the Model 3 Owners Club podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage on your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit our website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Hey everyone, welcome again to another episode of the Model 3 Owners Club podcast. I'm Trevor Page, your host, and uh, we have a lot to talk about tonight. We're going to be talking about uh, some new features coming to Summon or Advanced Summon. Uh, we're going to be talking about Tesla's financials that happened last week, and uh, we have some other information regarding some loss of regen, some other things that are going on. But before we get into that, I want to bring on my guests. Joining me from Montreal is Mr. Ian Pavelko. Ian, how are you doing this evening, my friend? I'm very well, thank you very much. Bonsoir tout le monde. Great. Well, it's always nice to have a fellow Canadian on the show, but that's not all. We also have Mr. Uh, Eric Camacho from Florida. How are you doing, Eric? Doing well, gentlemen. Hello, everybody. Great. Thank you for joining us as usual. Now, the other guest that normally joins us, Mr. Michael Bodner, is not joining us this evening. And um, we're just going to basically put it out there. He, uh, he's decided that he wants to uh, spend more of his efforts on building his YouTube channel, which is great. We fully encourage that. It mm -hmm. doesn't preclude him from joining the podcast in the future. As a matter of fact, we have something planned uh, very early in the new year. So uh, you may see uh, Michael come on once in a while and stuff. So all the best to you, Michael. Uh, thanks for the nice kudos that you gave us on your on your little show. Um, uh, he uh, so if you want, you should um, actually check out his channel. It's Tesla Tunity. He's doing a weekly show as well about Tesla news, and he's off to a really good start. He has uh, two episodes now. So all the best to you, Michael. We'll be following, and don't forget to um, you know to subscribe to his channel. So all the best to uh, Michael on that. But last but not least, we have a very special guest coming onto the show tonight. Now, if you're on Twitter, you might have uh, seen some of his tweets. He's the author of the Tesla internet sensation, Frunk Puppy Fridays. Uh, I want to bring the Earl of Frunk Puppy, uh, Frunk, Frunk Puppy himself onto the show, Mr. Earl Banning. Thanks for joining us again, Earl. How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing great, Trev. Thanks so much for having me on. Welcome to uh, Frunk Puppy, Puppy Studios, Studios here. You see that there? I love it. I That's love awesome. It. Very That's professional now. Is that your official logo now? Yeah, I think it's going to be. We'll see. We got a couple more. That's Some awesome. really terrible ones out there in the internet we're voting on. But well, we'll, your little we'll thing with through. the... I was going to say, your thing with the front puppy, th puppy thing. Why do I keep saying puppy? You know, I must be in Ottawa. I'm thinking about <laughs> it's, hockey it's or something. Right? Canada. <laughs> yeah. By the way, if you notice that my studio is a little different tonight, it's because I'm at Friends. Uh, we're in Ottawa tonight, so I brought my portable studio with me, so I apologize for that. Maybe the production quality may not be as, as usual, but hey. Home yeah. of the Senators. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. Hey, hey, some Somebody's knowledgeable. <laughs> well, uh, having said that, we've got to uh, jump into some of this stuff because the financials thing is really going to overwhelm us. But um, before I get into that, I want to put out a little bit of a PSA because on the forums and on the internet right now, there is a lot of discussion about the loss of regen that seems to be happening in the northern climates uh, on Model 3. And uh, reached out to Tesla, and I got an official response about the regen situation. So I'm just going to read uh, a little bit back of what they gave back to me. He sa uh, Tesla says, in regards to the loss of regen braking after a recent tire swap, they're talking about people that have swapped their tires, um, the tires that have been put on the vehicles are not Tesla-specific. 
the Model 3 was made so that it fits and is more specific to Tesla branded tires, in quotes, uh, now that they have Pirelli Soto Zeros for the winter. So they're talking about people that didn't buy the tire package from Tesla here. So they say the vehicle needs to relearn and recalibrate to understand the tread, grip, and difference of the new tires on the vehicle. It will take almost 500 kilometers of driving on these tires for the vehicle to recalibrate and start using the regen again. Uh, it will take some time for you to experience a loss of regen braking for the... Um, sorry, let me start over. It will take some time... So you will experience a loss of regen braking for the time being. It will eventually come back. Continue to drive and use the brakes. The regen will return after the car has learned and sensed these new tires that have been placed on the car. If you have any questions, let us know. They also said, if you have some kind of strange setup with wheels, tires, or TPMS, to please call Tesla service and let them know your specific combination because they'd like to put that into their database system for tracking. Now, we had a little discussion just before the show started here, and Ian has a, a few points, I think, um, that you wanted to throw in here because, I mean, you're the tire guy. So what are your thoughts on this thing? Yeah, first off, I got to say that I am a little bit late to the party. I know the, the discussions have been going on in the forum, and I haven't been able to join in because, hey, guess what? It's the first week of November, and my business is going absolutely off the rails. So I have to do this work thing. It sort of cuts in on the fun. But uh, I will give you my 30-second my version of it. Uh, my first reaction is this is really peculiar. First off, because we've never seen this on Model S or X, regardless of the wheel or tire combination that you use, the regen on those cars has worked um, very consistently. Obviously, it's got to have something to do with the, the partial permanent magnet motor on the Model 3 and the way that it looks at regen. It's obviously a lot more sensitive. The only thing I can sort of attribute it to is I'm looking at some of the combinations and the ones that seem most effective are lower speed rated winter tires. And what I think might be going on here is what's called tread squirm. And that is the fact that the tread blocks tend to move around a little bit more. And when you start to regen, um, that slight delay or the hesitation in the, in the tread movement might be picked up by the motors. I'm absolutely amazed that they would pick up on that. And what they're probably doing is detecting what they think is tire slip, which it isn't. It's just that the, the block tends to move a little bit uh, compared to the all-season tires or, or in the case of the performance car, the summer tire that comes on the car. So obviously that's triggering something in the region that says, whoa, wait a second, you know, I better back off. Because if it does detect slip as if it was on rain or ice or snow or something, um, normally that would cause it to back off. I think anybody who's driven one in the snow and, you know, really hammered the brakes, you feel the regen come off. The car goes, nope, 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 back off. You know, I want to get grip again. So on a very minor scale, that seems to be what's happening. We're going to have to follow this closely. Um, I love that Tesla wants to get all the data on the different wheel and tire setups um, that are being used. I will tell you with other OEMs, if anything like this happens, typically it's like, hey, you didn't use the tire we recommended. Sorry, you're out of luck. I love that they're they're taking a different approach and saying, oh, please tell us what you have. We'll log that. And then they're probably looking at the data from the car and that'll help them to learn in future to better adapt to it. That's sort of what I can gather so far, um, but I'll be looking into it much more heavily, even running some tests probably as the season goes. And I'll try and keep everybody informed on what I discover. Yeah, it's, it's a marked difference because, you know, Tesla just sent out another software update to the Model 3 fleet that adjusted the regen, uh, they actually made it stronger, which is the first time. I've never seen that on the Model S or Model X. I, I, they've never really played with the regen. Now, I don't know if that's a software thing specifically on those cars or it was kind of baked in, but we're, we've seen so many changes on Model 3. It's, it's just, I mean, this is a different animal altogether. 
So, um, you know, if they're spending more time on the software um, situation with Model 3 and really correcting things, I think it really bodes well for the future to keep improvements on this car going. Uh, this thing really has legs, so... <laughs> so are we supposed to replace our tires through Tesla? Is that what they're saying to no, do? Or? No, they're, they're just saying, uh, you know, based on their situation, if you want immediate regen, you should be using their tire package, but there's nothing precluding you from not using their tire yeah. package. You know, their official statement, as far as I'm concerned, is what they gave us is that, yeah, you just you just got to give us time because we're mm -hmm. doing something different this time around. It, I find it unfortunate that we have to try and pull this information out of Tesla rather than being a little bit more proactive in giving this. But at least we have some kind of answer. So, you know, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, but like anything else, um, if you have some kind of weird setup or whatever, uh, you know, please take Tesla's advice and, and call the service center, let them know. Uh, the more data we give them, you know, the better the cars will be, uh, you know, over time. I have a question. Uh, I live in Florida. What is this winter you speak of? I don't know. <laughs> I have I have no idea. It's just, it's just something that happens, you know, six months of the year, and uh, it is what it is. All right, moving on. I uh, want to talk a little bit about some Elon tweets because, you know, a show would not be a show without uh, some tweets from Elon. Uh, today, he really got on Twitter and started talking a little bit about some other features that are coming to, uh, to Autopilot, uh, specifically something called Advanced Summon. Now, if you look at the Tesla website, the Tesla website talks about Smart Summon, and that is the ability of the car to be able to navigate um, its environment and avoid obstacles. Now, everybody knows about Summon. You press the key fob or your app, whatever, and you can move the phone, uh, the phone. I mean, the car out of a parking space or into a parking space, move the car a few feet, whatever. Um, but they've been long talking about the ability to be able to move the car, say, from uh, a parking garage and maybe come around and meet you up front or whatever. But today we got more information. Elon said that the next uh, change to Summon is coming in approximately six weeks. That's Elon time. So who knows what that will actually be. But he basically said that the car will drive to your phone location and follow you like a pet if you hold down the Summon button on the Tesla app. Ooh, that's interesting. And in a subsequent tweet in this little thread that he had going, he said also you'll be able to drive it from your phone remotely like a big RC car um, in as long as the car is in light of sight. That I take it to you know use your phone kind of like a, a game and move the car around. He also said that the car will have a park-seek mode where the car will be able to go into a parking lot and find its own parking space. Now, that is, I find interesting because the only time I ever heard Elon actually mention those words specifically, I'm using park-seek mode, he didn't really necessarily call it that, but that's what I'm calling it, was when they originally announced the dual-motor Model S back, I think it was late 2014, um, he said, just kind of off-quip, uh, eventually, you know, the car will be able to go find its own parking space. So this is the first time I've seen him actually mention this again. And I had to reach out. I, I reached out to him on Twitter. I, I didn't for, I, unfortunately, I didn't get a, mess, um, uh, a response back from him. But I wanted clarification because lately they seem to be talking, you know, oh, some new features are coming. It's going to be full self-driving. So to me, it was just like, well, is this a feature that's coming that requires full self-driving or is it enhanced autopilot? I think if it comes to enhance autopilot, it's even bonus. It's it's even better. I would love to have that feature. I know Eric, you want to say a couple words about that here in a moment. Um, I'm leaning towards that actually happening towards enhanced autopilot and not necessarily full self-driving. It just seems to me that in some ways, the lines are getting a little more blurred as to really what full self-driving is. 
Now they did take it off the website in terms of ordering it when you buy the car. You can still order it off the menu. We talked about that before. Um, what, what are your thoughts, guys? I want you to jump in on this and, and just and just let us know what you think about this this new um, announcement or, or capability that's coming in a few months. Well, first of all, praise be to the all powerful Elon. Um, I think it, I think it's a great thing. I think there are a lot of people, uh, and we talked about this pre-show that I think a lot of people who don't have enhanced autopilot, if they find out that this is in fact a feature uh, as part of the autopilot suite, they're going to quickly say, you know what, it's worth getting it just for that alone. Because for those of us that live in in very sultry or um, you know humid climates like here in Florida, when it rains, it's a great opportunity to just have your car come pick you up, like like it's an Uber or a Lyft ride, which is fantastic. Um, I think the the hardware and the software combination, the fact that they keep adding these features to EAP and able to make it more robust, more feature uh, filled, is something I think is really the most impressive part of this. And you know, if they're able to get this set up, and again, it, whether it's six weeks, ten weeks, whatever it is, if it finally comes out in the coming months and it rolls out. Uh, in small batches at first, which I would expect it to do so they can see how the real world data is and then goes uh, more widespread after that. It's a really, really big thing. Um, so I, you know, I'd love to hear what Ian and Earl think, but uh, it's, uh, it's to me, it may be one of the most popular features of EAP. I absolutely agree. I got really excited about it when I saw the tweet. Um, and in my opinion, it seems like it would be included under EAP. I'm not really sure. Um, I'm one of the people who threw down the extra money to add full self-driving. Um, but I do wonder how they'll work that in. And, and uh, Eric, I hadn't thought about that, but what a great selling point for EAP to be able to have that feature. Um, but yeah, I, I think it might be included. I'm not sure. I don't know. What do you think, Ian? I sure hope so. Mm -hmm. it, it does sound to me like a very full self-driving-ish feature. Uh, as a guy who didn't order that, I'm really hoping it's an EAP thing. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't be horribly disappointed if it's if it's strictly FSD because, it you know, let's face it, you're having the car drive around the parking lot pretty much on its own with no one in the seat. That's very FSD-ish to me. So I, I'm, I'm leaning towards thinking that's what it is. But to your point, uh, Eric, if you think that that's a cool feature to have in, in the big Florida rains, when it's 20 below zero outside, you right. really want that feature. It's like, oh, hell yeah. I'm sorry. Um, what is this 20 below you speak of? Uh, I'm, not, I, I'm not familiar with this. I give it a few years. You know, climate change, it'll catch up with you. Uh, okay. It's coming from a guy who, who, who lives on the surface of the sun six months of the year, too. So Yes. Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, EAP is one of those things. You know, when I talk to people, um, aside from the fact that I say things like, well, you know, the car does lane keeping really well and it does lane changes. And now we have Navigate on Autopilot, uh, which, by the way, if anybody's listening, is, is not available in Canada yet. I think it's a regulatory thing. I don't know that 100%, but that's one of the reasons I don't think we have seen it yet. If, if I find out more, I will let you know as soon as possible. Um that when I talk to people, I do happen to mention, if I try and remember, is the fact about park seek mode. Eventually, and I say it like that, eventually we will be able to get out of the car, press a button, and the car will go find its own parking space. And for a lot of people, it's just like, their mind's completely blown on that. And I agree. Uh, summon is not something I use too much, but summon for parking? Bring it on. I want that. Yeah, and, and and the reason why I think it's going to be more for EAP than it is for FSD, and for those of you that don't understand, Tesla loves TLAs. 
three letter uh, acronyms. Anagrams. Uh, so acronyms, yeah. So the reason why I think it's more for EAP is that we don't have full self-driving yet. So if this is coming in the next six weeks or so, it stands to reason it's got to be a feature of EAP. It's just it's just taking auto summon and just upping it a notch. Uh, so, I, yeah, it's, it, while I understand Ian's perspective that it may be at some point, depending upon conditions and locations and other stuff, that maybe it might be uh, expanded even further from an FSD perspective, I think really this initial version of it is probably uh, slated for EAP. Mm-hmm. And for the record, let me, I want to be wrong. That's actually why I'm making this prediction. <laughs> so I can be proven wrong, and I'm okay. Fair well, enough. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think that brings us to the point of the show where we're going to just going to dive in here and we're just going to get into some of these financials that Tesla announced last week. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, you probably heard by now that after 15 years, Tesla is finally profitable. Uh, it's been a long time coming for these guys. So uh, we're just going to rattle off some of the numbers a little bit here and we're going to kind of dive in and uh, discuss some of the things that were uh, that were talked about during the uh, earnings call, which, by the way, I'll put a link in the uh, video or the podcast description where you can actually listen to it uh, on your own. There are transcripts available as well. I'll link those. We have those on our forum. Right. So the big one, GAP, generally accepted accounting practices. Tesla has a net income of $312 million. Incredible growth because, you know... Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, sound effects. Uh, sorry, I don't have sound effects, but I have to rely on the other <laughs> guests in here. Um, you know, to put that in, into perspective, you know, in in June at the end of the last quarter, uh, they had a loss of six hundred and I think it was around twenty one million dollars. So it's almost a a, a one billion dollar reversal on this. And of course, we're talking about Model Three. I mean, it's profitable because they finally got the volume up. All right, moving on here. Operating income, $417 million and an operating margin of about 6.1%. Awesome, really good numbers. Free cash flow, this is a big one. $881 million supported by operating cash flow of uh, $1.4 billion. Huge increase. Um, they also have $3 billion of cash and cash equivalents on Q3N. Now, the shorts have been making a lot of noise about the fact that Tesla was burning cash to the point where they wouldn't have money at the end of the quarter or even by the end of the year. Well... That's not true. They were actually cash flush. Interestingly enough, I think some of the noisiest shorts out there, namely Jim Chanos, has disappeared off of CNN. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, moving along. Model 3 has uh, gross margins of over 20%. That's crazy. They're actually making some serious coin on this car. Now, again, we're talking about higher ASPs because they they are building the performance cars, the all-wheel drive, uh, long-range variant, of course, now and the mid-range car. The base model is still not here yet. Elon made a very big point of the fact that they, they're not intentionally withholding uh, the, the standard range Model 3. It's just that their processes and their costs are not to the point yet where they can actually release the car. That is going to be coming very early in the year, uh, in the year uh, probably around January, if I remember correctly. Um, in the financial call, some other parts that came up that were very interesting. We're actually going to get past some of the numbers now and actually talk about some tech. Well, actually, before we do that, I want to have a discussion with you guys. Let's talk about these numbers. What are your thoughts? Jump in here, guys. I mean, maybe Earl, you've been following the short situation quite a bit. You've been been fighting head-to-head with a lot of the trolls out there. (laughs) Yeah, they sure had a lot to say about being out of money by September, then October, you know, then bankrupt by October, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Goalposts are moving along. Um, And then to see these numbers come out and and, uh, they just knock it out of the park. 
Uh, what really stands out, what jumps off the page to me is those 20% margins on the Model 3. I mean, this is the car that the shorts have been saying they can't make money on no matter what, and they're, they're, they're doing it. Um, production numbers up, their costs are not going up. It's, it's fantastic. So um, better, I think, than most of the bulls, really Tesla bulls had even expected. So. Yeah, they certainly did. They, um, they certainly surpassed even my wildest imagination. I was predicting maybe, oh, you know, they'll just get by the skin of their teeth, maybe make 10 million bucks or something like that, or maybe even not even like get so close where, you know, oh, we just missed it by a sliver. In a lot of ways, Elon up until recently has been relatively quiet on this situation. You know, he'd been talking about through a whole summer, you know, oh, the short burn of the century is coming, so on and so forth. And then, and then he got real quiet. And a lot of the letters that had leaked to employees and stuff, he says, oh, we're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. And I think maybe, I don't know, maybe it was because of the SEC situation that Elon was kind of starting to learn to temper expectations a little bit more. I hope so, because, you know, I, I hate it when Elon says something and then he has to backtrack. I really can't stand that. So I'm hoping from a financial aspect that they behave a little bit more like Apple in a lot of ways and under... Um, what is under forecast and then over over deliver i guess maybe that's the right word <laughs> so any uh, any other thoughts guys before we uh, move on to some of the well, tech stuff go ahead i think what's interesting is that originally the call was scheduled for sometime to be held later it would have been held actually last week and the call came out uh two weeks ago so there were you know it was great to see the numbers being released a bit earlier that surprised some people and i think when it was uh, leaked that it was going to be announced earlier people said oh the numbers must be good if they're willing to come forward this early on the earnings call the other thing that sticks down to me is and you pointed this out in terms of the the gross margins and and the profitability of the model three and everything else is that so much of this is really a, 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 I think, a reflection on not just how hard the employees of Tesla worked to put out these number of cars, but also just where the demand is in the electric car market. You know, this is something that, you know, a lot of people have sort of tried to foresee the demise of Tesla for the last several years. The shorts are constantly trying to find ways to just knock the company when they're down. But a company that was once deemed by the um, auto giants as uh, a David is now itself turning into a Goliath. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's amazing to see what Tesla's done um, over the years that they've really persevered uh, all throughout this time. And they've done something that in a very short time span that most companies have taken decades to do. Yeah. It's taken them a long time, but they're finally here. And, you know, going forward, they also have expectations to be able to maintain good margins, uh, profitability, uh, Elon said that they still don't have intentions of going to the market to raise any money. Uh, they think that they are going to be flush. Even um, I think it's in the fourth quarter and coming into the first quarter, they have some convertible notes that they have to pay. They uh, do not want to refinance those. They want to be able to pay them off. So, uh, you know, starting to get out from under all that leveraging that they've been doing. Um, not to say that they can't go to the markets in the future, but I think now that they're on solid footing, um, that as long as they, they keep these numbers up and we don't see any um, indications of Model 3 uh, demand being a problem in any shape, way, or form. Tesla seems to be very adept at pulling levers for demand in any shape, way, or form. Um, and remember, uh, European deliveries haven't even started yet. Mm -hmm. Speaking of which, um, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here and just kind of throw this in there because I know we have some European listeners in the conference call, they said that they expect to start uh, production of European left-hand drive cars sometime in January. 
and delivery should happen sometime towards the end of uh, February going into March. Um, again, no indication as to when right-hand drive will happen. Uh, I would believe that, again, we're still talking about mid-2019 for those. And um, Asia-Pacific countries will, uh, again, be towards the middle of the year. So things are looking good. The ramp is certainly uh, increasing. It certainly has stabilized now. So uh, that's, those are excellent, excellent, um, excellent points for, for those of you that are waiting across the pond. We're finally going to get that car. Um, <laughs> I think he also said, too, that they expect to hopefully start production of the standard range car around that time frame as well. Now, there was no indication as to when standard range would be available for Europe. They, they may just do a stage thing as well where they could start deliveries of those cars, maybe North America, and then eventually go to Europe. We don't know yet. So just keep that in mind. Just because they're starting deliveries doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to have the standard range car yet. So just want to put that caveat out there and just, you know, just to temper expectations a little bit. Unfortunately, you know, they give us a little bit of information, but then, you know, some people just don't go quite deep enough to find out more stuff. So as this stuff kind of progresses, I think we'll have even better information towards the end of the fourth quarter um, at the next earnings call to really get some better ideas as to where they stand for production and deliveries for other countries. Fine Lab has aligned protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla. We were meant for each other. So part of the other call too, and this is, uh, this is an observation that, I, that I've noted with Elon over the last two financial calls that they've done, is that, I, and I think it's partly is, it was an effort initially to try and, and throw a curveball at some of the shorts because in, um, in a vacuum when there's no information, uh, the shorts really run rampant on some of this stuff. And what I noticed is that Elon um, has been bringing experts in from Tesla into some of these financial calls and letting them talk about some of the stuff that is working behind the scenes, namely um, autopilot. Autopilot was the big feature, um, of course, when they let the cat out of the bag, so to speak, about the new autopilot hardware that's coming, version 3, as everybody's calling it. Um, that is still slated for production to start happening uh, very early in the first quarter of 2019. Um, he had a couple of people come on, Stuart Bowers um, and uh, Pete Bannon. Those, these guys are responsible for both the software and the hardware on the Autopilot 3. And they said that qualification of the chips, the boards, the production lines is progressing very well. So they're very much on track uh, to be able to deliver the uh, cars uh, starting in the first quarter of 2019 with that hardware built in. They also made a very big point of making sure that people understood that the Autopilot 3 computer system is fully upgradable and you will get the computer upgrade for free, but only if you purchased full self-driving. So that's critically important. Either you buy it at the time of purchase or you buy it off menu, but you must have that in order to qualify for the upgrade. Largely because the neural network, which is the second part that you know they started getting in on, has um, exceeded their expectations as far as computational power is concerned. So they need more computational power in the car. They can train lots of large uh, neural networks. Um, Andre Kaparthi got on the uh, financial call to talk about his um, responsibility inside of Tesla for training the, the neural vision system that they're using. 
And their computer systems, their simulations are very capable of dealing with that information. However, they feel they felt that full self-driving needs more horsepower, which is why they started this project about three years ago. So it's coming, uh, but if you want it, you're going to have to... I mean, Earl, you're in a good position. You'll be able to get the upgrade for free when the time comes. <laughs> That's why I pulled the trigger. I was worried that they're going to start rolling out features and do some sort of weird Tesla thing where, well, now the price goes up or some sort of a change. So I just wanted to lock it in. Um, actually, I talked to, um, last week, an Ars Technica uh, story came out, and they interviewed a few people. I got in on that uh, to talk about our experience with upgrading to full self-driving, what it was like, why we did that. And it's a pretty fair article because everybody they reached out to is actually okay with it. But, um, of course, this is another thing getting spun in the media as full self-driving has disappeared and everybody's really upset about it. Um, but I, I really don't think that's the case. We'll see how it goes. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful we'll see something soon. I found it interesting too, in, in light of the experts that they brought in inside the company, um, that, that the, the topic of this, uh, you know, car, cross countries, full self-driving, um, you know, demonstration didn't even come up once. It, it seems to be put, really put on the, the back burner. Um, however, I do believe that this hardware and this new development that they want to do for the vision-based system is going to be a catalyst for them to finally get to that point where they can actually do that. So uh, I think, you know, up until that happens, they've kind of stuck it uh, on the back burner as far yeah, as Yeah, Elon concerned. seems authentically excited about that, that new chip coming out. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think they've kind of taken, in a lot of ways, they've taken a lot of things out of Apple's playbook is that they don't want to be beholden to anyone. Like if they really want the horsepower and they want to be able to move ahead, they, they have to they have to do their own silicon. They have to be vertically integrated and go that way. So uh, let's see here. Anything else? Uh, some other stuff that they started talking about. They made a big point of talking about vehicle safety. They brought uh, Modan Gopal. He's uh, been at Tesla for 10 years, and he's been responsible for all of the safety engineering on the Tesla vehicles. And they spend a considerable amount of time talking about Model 3. It's not the first time I've heard Elon say this, but he did say that other car manufacturers, because the, the, um, the testing of vehicles as far as crash uh, safety is concerned is a known thing, like it's essentially, call it half a dozen tests, is that a lot of the manufacturers, not saying everyone, but a good number of manufacturers kind of game the system in such a way because they know what they need to pass the test that they will do what's required so that the cars pass those tests and don't go any further than that. And Modana and both Elon uh, made a very big point of mentioning that they anti-game the system. And what they say is basically they go find the weakest point on the car and that's where they focus their energies on in order to make it safer. And because of that, that's why the cars get a full five-star rating in every category. I thought that was really, um, it's not the first time I heard him say it, but I'm glad that he had mentioned it again. They also made a big point about talking about two other things. One of them was about the hood. Now, not a lot of people know this, but the hoods on the Model S, the X, and the 3 are designed in such a way that they lessen the impact of if you hit a pedestrian, so at fairly low speed, in such a way that when the pedestrian hits the hood, that it automatically uh, unbuckles and heads up like this. So it actively... Um, uh, helps with uh, with the impact. And the other part that they talked about is now that they have this neural network, largely in version 9, really alive and awake because it's using all eight cameras now, that they are going to start working on more active safety features with the neural network and, and these cameras because now they can predict more um, 
things that are happening because the car can see 360 degrees now. So they can not only do, um, you know, the emergency braking for, you know, frontal collisions, the, the, they can also detect possible uh, impacts coming from the rear and potentially, um, uh, you know, use the neural network system to get you out of those situations. So that's their next area of focus. Um, I, I'm sh they haven't really mentioned it, but they are starting to, to, to get into that. And they mentioned that that was um, the other um, uh, challenge that they wanted to tackle next. So it really shows that they take... Um, uh, safety very seriously and I'm glad for that because this is I mean we're all driving the safe the safest cars on the road now which is uh, which is wonderful and and I heard somebody on Twitter and I forget where I saw it but you know one of the things that it might have been Elon himself um, that one of the best selling points of the Teslas now is really safety I mean you can talk about the techs all day long but safety is the number one thing I think they probably outpaced um, Volvo in a lot because Volvo has always been saving safest cars on the road. Well, mm -hmm. not anymore. Yeah, I can say when I when I talk to him, I'm sorry, Eric, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say that uh, the one takeaway from the entire presentation regarding safety was that they essentially start with the weakest part of the vehicle and go from there. Mm -hmm. So if you're if you're always reinforcing the weakest part, you're eventually going to have nothing but a, mm -hmm. a safe vehicle all around. And, and you know, to see the Model 3 is essentially exceed the Model S and its original tests is, is amazing. Yeah. I was just going to say for my wife, she's not all that excited about things like autopilot, Atari games, uh, <laughs> you know, what the car looks like. But when you talk about safety, then that really rings through. You know, she thinks about that with our family and our kids in the car. Um, and I think that's a brilliant move to really make, you know, make the safest car. I think it's a great selling point. Yeah. And I think it really comes to, to the point where why he brought in these experts, because they actually see safety as like one of the number one items on the on the on the whiteboard for their cars um, as far as designs concerned. So I, you know, when Tesla says from now on, I mean, you know, they have three cars now and they've said they're going to get five star rating and they have achieved it. So, you know, you, you can't really, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt now. If they come out with the pickup and the Model Y and all the other cars and say they're going to be the safest cars, well, you better darn well believe it now. Uh, let's see here. JB, JB Straubel was on the call. Now, for those of you who don't know, JB is the battery brains. I mean, he's one of the early um, starters of the company. He's been with the company since, since day one. Um, JB largely works um, at the Gigafactory, maintaining all the production lines and the cell production and working with relations with uh, Panasonic. And he usually comes on the call and he had some in interesting information to, um, to uh, divulge. Uh, he said over the last several weeks, they said that there was a new production for, uh, for cells that was installed and they're going to have another by the end of the year and then another after that. So Gigafactory is scaling incredibly well. They are currently sitting at 20 gigawatts per year at the Gigafactory. They also started talking a little bit about China because, uh, you know, if you haven't heard, uh, Tesla has secured the land in China and they finally have broken ground. Um, so the Gigafactory in China is actually happening. Now, they wanted to make sure that people understood that long-term cell production will happen in China, but short-term is kind of uncertain. So I, I largely believe, and they also mentioned um, about the start of production that the Chinese Gigafactory will be very capital efficient. Um, largely saying that they were going to take lessons that they learned from uh, what they did in Fremont, namely the tent, if for lack of a better word. <laughs> and that's where they will start production. So instead of really, in the way that I read this, is that instead of waiting for the complete shell to be finished at the Gigafactory, they may set up some exterior uh, temporary 
um, production lines and actually start building cars for the local uh, market. Now, it's important to remember that Tesla has no intentions on building uh, cars in China for North American market. They're, they want to build these cars for the Asian Pacific market. So they will use uh, uh, sort of like a tent type structure to actually start production for those cars um, as soon as possible. So the other thing you can take away from that is that largely a lot of parts will actually be imported into China. That may be a way to get around some of the import duties and stuff because I, I don't know what the breakdown is, but there may be a certain percentage where the, where the vehicle actually has to be built in China, not necessarily completely manufactured from a, a parts perspective. So, uh, and that kind of goes back to what they said about cell production. Cell production, they want to do in China, but short term, they just can't because, you know, uh, the Gigafactory has taken essentially three years to really get up and running. They don't have that kind of time. So, so that's what they said about that. They also said uh, early China production will be, let me see here, significant progress on, uh, well, they expect to build Model 3 and Model Y in China. Uh, S and X will stay in Fremont. Um, uh, it just doesn't make sense, I guess, at this point to do that. Uh, some other information that came out of the situation was um, they said that they made some significant, significant progress on Model Y. In fact, Elon said that he signed off on uh, getting production started on the very first prototype. Now, that's building the first prototype. That's not producing cars uh, en masse, whatever, because they need a certain amount of uh, leeway or lead time uh, before a reveal, which is, on average, I've heard Elon say it takes them anywhere from five to six months to build um, a rolling prototype. Uh, so that's what we're looking at. So if the timing works out, like we're November 1st now, so, uh, you know, five months, six months. Yeah, we're looking at March. That's been kind of the number that's been floating around that the reveal may happen in March for the Model Y. So we're keeping a very good uh, eye on that. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to get to go to the, uh, the reveal in, uh, in March or very early spring anyways, at, that, at least when that happens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be part yeah. of time. Um, largely, that will not wow. be in Fremont, by the way. That'll be in... Uh, uh, Hawthorne, because that's where they do uh, vehicle reveals, as at the design studio, because that's the only way they can maintain SpaceX. secrecy. SpaceX, yes, SpaceX is right next to it. No tours of SpaecX, unfortunately. There are tarp. Uh, oh, there come are on! Now there's there's <laughs> rules, man. There's rules. Uh, if anybody can get us in on a SpaceX tour, please get in touch with <laughs> us. We, we'd love. We would to be do that. friends for life. Yes, we, exactly. we, I, I will divulge a secret. We had one of the SpaceX engineers at my offices about a month ago. Oh. My juicy uh, tidbits? company president is is good friends with one. Uh, yeah, no, not really. Uh, mm. It was kind of a whirlwind, like we cross paths type of thing. Uh, I will definitely work that angle, though. We all have a <laughs> SpaceX. I mean, when I was in San Francisco last year on vacation, I was on the bus, and there was this young lady and, and her boyfriend, whatever, and she looked at me. She says, I think I know you. I said, mm, well, maybe. I don't know. She says, oh, you do a YouTube thing. I said, yeah, yeah, I watch your show. She says, I'm a SpaceX engineer. <laughs> really? says, yeah, yeah, I'm just down here on whatever and stuff. So I thought, oh, it's one and only time I ever met somebody from SpaceX. So anyways, whoever you are, it was very nice to meet you. <laughs> Good job. Keep up the great work. Anyways, get back to the show here. Uh, right. So again, just reiterating, uh, no equity debt raise or short terms. They want to pay off their debts as soon as possible, which is really good. So, mm-hmm. um, Right. One other bit that he talked about uh, was the situation at Tesla that he found unacceptable, and that has to do with deliveries of vehicles. He says currently right now, after reviewing everything, it's taking about 30 days from production to get the cars out to customers. He felt that that was unacceptable. During the last third quarter, they had been able to get that number down to about uh, 20 days. 
And their goal, and they said it's not a promise, but their goal was to get that down from uh, from 20 days down to 10 days, which I think is excellent because, listen, the Internet and the forum are rife with all kinds of issues as far as deliveries are concerned. And I want to talk about deliveries with you guys uh, for a little bit because it is still a bit of a sticking point. We are largely out of production hell. We're now in delivery hell. And I find it interesting, and I want you guys to chime in on this, but I find it interesting that Tesla doesn't, it didn't really seem to have spent a lot of time thinking about the whole delivery process or how they were going to scale this thing. They seem to be so focused on getting Model 3 production up that how they were going to deliver these cars and stage them and get them out was almost like a, a, like a secondhand thought or something. And I've seen my share of issues. I mean, Ian and I certainly experienced it when he took delivery oh, yeah. of his car. Um, we had problems with paperwork, and that seemed to be a rampant problem. Now, I haven't seen delivery since, you know, Ian was the last one that I participated in. Um, I'm hoping that it's been largely sorted out, but we're still seeing issues on the forum pop up. Um, uh, what do you guys think about this? I mean, where do you think Tesla could improve on this situation? Well, I'd say number one is uh, getting a handle on the volume of um you know, transporters that they, they need. I mean, I don't know who exactly got their hands on my car, but the front bumper would evidence that um, probably leans more towards Attila the Hun rather than, you know, <laughs> Mr. Velvet Glove. <laughs> I was lucky. I mean, there's hardly any marks on the car, but there was, there was definitely a chunk of paint missing on the bumper. Well, that and looked, it looked like, like it was, it was a, just... like, we, we looked at that and we thought it mm -hmm. might have been a strap or something from transportation. That's exactly what I think it was. And, you know, it just spoke to me. It's like, okay, they must have had to, you know, really scrape the bottom of the barrel for whoever they could get to deliver the car. And I understand that. I mean, you know, but it's like you said, Trev, it's kind of like it was almost afterthought, I think, is the word that you were looking for. And I, I think it's just they're in such an all-hands-on-deck mode to get the cars out. And there's just X number of people available. And But you could see that right across the, the entire um, food chain there. You know, anytime I wanted to get a hold of um of customer service to discuss anything in those last few weeks it was like waiting days to get an email or or a phone call back and that had never been my experience before and it hasn't been my experience since you know like when i had to deal with them over the um the fact that i was not getting the free supercharging i got almost instantaneous responses on that so it was just in those last few weeks of september that everything just seemed to be pushed way beyond the red line and hopefully they're they're reeling it back in now. And I mean, Elon's came straight out and said, you know, we're we're now experiencing delivery hell. And I think it's just because you have X number of people in the company and they're trying to exponentially ramp the number of deliveries in a short period of time. And they just did the absolute best they could with the very limited amount of staff they had. That's really all I can attribute it to. Yeah. And they were and they were pulling people from every which way they could. I mean, you could have worked in energy, you could work in a different department, and all of a sudden now you're being hands-on with delivery. So it, it was it was a very interesting time with the company. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to be disingenuous to Tesla. I think they I think they put a lot of thought into what they were doing. I just think it maybe um, might have been overwhelming. It might have been a greater numbers in those last few weeks. And so um, with the amount of inventory orders, with the amount of Model 3 deliveries, I think a lot of the time it was just, we got to move all these cars. And people were ordering whatever car they could get, maybe from different markets. And so there was just a lot of logistics involved. They had to pull in different people. I mean, look, if the Tesla Semi was around, I'm sure it'd be a lot easier to get these things moved around. <laughs> um, but I, I think, you know, with... And this is something I think is historical with Tesla. They'll do something 
learn from what it does, find out what worked, what didn't work, find processes um, that will be improved upon, and then take it from there to sort of circumvent the possibility of it ever happening again. So I, I agree, and, and they may not even be full out of it this year. I mean, we know that within the U.S., the federal tax credit incentive of $7,500 may drive a lot of people to getting an inventory car in the next eight weeks. Um, you know, we know the cutoff date for people ordering a car now is for the U.S. approaching essentially right now. If you live in the East Coast like I do and you want to order a car, you're looking at an eight-week delivery window. Well, it's November 1st. Eight weeks puts you the very last week of December. So um, we, we may see it happen again in a few weeks, but uh, hopefully by that point, we um, you know Tesla will be all the better for it. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth because one of the things that I did have a chance to do here was uh... – was actually talked to someone at Tesla this week when I was down there, and I, I made mentioned about the thing about the third quarter, and I said I don't think it's sustainable for you guys to keep pushing so hard at the end of the quarter. He says no, it's not, um, but he led me to believe that internally that there are some some efforts in, internally to to smooth this out. Um, I had asked him about the situation because here in Toronto, I mean, there were so many cars being delivered. Of course, that they temporarily hire um, the International Center, which is a large, con- you know, basically conference center where they where they do these deliveries. And uh, he, he, he sent, I mean, and I was just down at the local shop and I mean, the place was just full of Model 3s. I've never seen that many before in that single location and they're still moving cars there. So they're kind of leading me to believe that they're going to have most of this stuff smoothed out and, and largely they, they may not have to go to these extreme measures. And I hope so for their for their fate because they really got to move these cars. Oh, wow. <laughs> Lots of things going on. Um, anything else you guys want to want to chime in on? Now, well, I just think- to jump in on what Eric said, I, I think of all the things from production, development of the car, the software they have in there, they'll figure this out. I mean, I think they'll get it running better than anybody else. And and like um, Elon had broken down on the earnings call, this is going to be a big cost saver too. The quicker they can get them out of the factory and into your hands um, will be a, a big deal for for them to be able to do and make more more profit off of it. Yeah. It was talked about during the call that, you know, if they have $1.5 million of vehicles sitting in a lot, it's $1.5 million of money they're not making. Uh, So it's imperative that they get these vehicles moved. One other thing I think is also really great from the earnings call, uh, if I recall correctly, is that they also talked about the future plans of their Tesla fleet uh, for yes. essentially a ride share program. Uh, I think that's the next big thing to come from the company, which again, this sort of ties into the, uh, the conversation we had earlier about the cars parking themselves and auto summon that sort of thing. Um, you know, it's if you're someone who says, listen, I'm all for what Tesla's doing. Maybe I just can't afford a car. I live in a city where a car doesn't, is not conducive. It's not helpful, you know, be able to get a, a, a ride share program, uh, the cars just drive themselves, pick you up, et cetera, et cetera. Or if you own a Tesla, you want to make some extra cash on the side and you're using your vehicle to do that for the ride share. That's a very big thing if it's able to come to fruition in the next, say, three to five years. That's it. That's all I got. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we always appreciate your input, Eric. And you have some very good ideas in your head. Yeah. Um, yeah. They did make a, a point of talking about some of the, the future plans. And I think, I think what really boils down to is Elon seems to be pretty excited about some of the changes that are coming as far as autopilot's concerned. I mean, kind of going back to what we said before, where, you know, the hardware three is coming, their neural network's finally in place. We've seen some incredible improvements. I mean, this this Navigate on Autopilot, which I have not experienced in person yet, but I've seen mm-hmm. plenty of YouTube videos, is is astounding. 
and yeah. it's only going to get better. I mean, yeah, version 9 has been quite a bit buggy. We've talked about this on the show before, but we've seen several software updates that are coming um, uh, that have been deployed that are starting to make some improvements on this. Um, yeah, so people I'm really are excited. For- There's some great videos out there with people using the, the new software. I can't wait to get it. <laughs> Well, I think that brings us really to the uh, end of today's show. I apologize for the skipping of last week and stuff, but, uh, you know, hey, uh, sometimes schedules uh, get in conflict with things. So um, I want to give you guys an opportunity to uh, let our viewers and our listeners out there where they can get a hold of you. Uh, how about you go first there, Earl? Where, where can people find you if they wanted to have a chit-chat with you? Oh, yeah, the best place to find me is at uh, 28 de- Delays Later on Twitter or just uh, at Frunk Puppy. Um, of course, every week is Frunk Puppy Friday. If you post a pic of your pet in the frunk and uh, use that hashtag, you can uh, get in to maybe make the final four. We now vote on who's the best. And um, by doing that, you can now win prizes. So this week we have a, a screen protector from Alan Accessories. And uh, it's been really great, a lot of fun. Um, the other thing too, you could check out on Saturday, Tesla Roddy did an article about Frunk Puppy, kind of the background, a little bit of my story too. Um, it's a fun read. So I'd encourage you to check that out and that's about it. Thanks for having me on. Hey, no problem. Anytime. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, I, I'll, I will put this out a little bit. The, um, the screen protector that they have is excellent. Um, I just put out a video because I broke mine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I saw a picture of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they very kindly sent me another one. They said, hey, no problem, no problem and stuff. It's partly our fault because of the, the instructions. I said, no, no, it's, this this dude screwed it up. So anyways, <laughs> they're going to get that rectified. But so far, even the broken one, I have it on my screen. I love it very much. All right. Ian Pavelko, where can people find you if they want to have a chit-chat with you, buddy? Well, easiest place is Twitter. Um at Ian Pavelko. Um, the handle is Madhunt. And uh, you can also find me on Model 3 Owners Club Forum under the handle Mad Hungarian. And uh, I'm there mostly talking about wheels and tires. Uh, hey, I, Norman. Sorry about that. A <laughs> little hectic. So um, I'll try and get back to you. But if you private message me on M3OC, I'll always answer. I'll always try to get back to you within 24 hours. And then lastly, there's my uh, T-shirt project, which I believe Mr. Camacho is modeling as well as me to this evening. I have my weapons of mass adoption uh hoodie on so uh you can find those on teespring.com just look up uh mad hungarian evolve wear on teespring and you have a full selection of this and the original evolve models as well and that all goes to a good cause of course the uh the various ev organizations that uh, the profits are supporting if you want one of the shirts uh link will be in the video or the podcast description eric you're wearing one tonight you can show everybody your shirt I am wearing one tonight, the infamous uh, Weapons of Mass Adoption. Yes. I love that shirt. such a great yeah. thing. Um, as usual, where can people uh, chit-chat with you, Eric? Uh, sure. So uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at the handle ECFix. That's e- I do want to give my thanks to Michael Bodner. Uh, he certainly helped make the show uh, an amazing show, and we all wish him the best of luck, as we said in the outside of this podcast. But also, I'm jumping ahead here. Uh, thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. Thanks to our sponsors. Uh, without you, we couldn't do the show. And our thanks to our special guest of the week, Earl, who, if you guys are listening to us in the podcast, go to the YouTube video, because uh, at the very end of this video... Uh, we have a special guest who just came onto the podcast. Yeah, we had to uh, get Norman on here for once. You know, right. So the, the the official model of Frunk <laughs> Puppy. This is, is now the, on the real show. attraction of tonight's episode. <laughs> right. Now, Never before right seen on video. Yeah. <laughs> right. Other than driving my car. Yeah, the dog has no idea what's going on. It's just like, what are all these voices and people? I don't understand. Where's the frunk? 
<laughs> Excellent. Well, I want to say thanks to everybody for, uh, for joining us again tonight, as usual. Um, my name is Trevor. I'm the host of the show. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Model3, uh, at Model3Owners. Don't forget to check out the forum at Model3OwnersClub.com. Membership is free. Um, again, a big thank you to all of our Patreon sponsors. They're the guys that really make this whole thing happen. Uh, you can find that at Patreon.com forward slash Model3OwnersClub. Every little bit helps, keeps the show going. want to say a big shout out and thank you to our sponsors, EvanX. Uh, Fine Lab and uh, Dulaban Insurance. So, if you're looking for uh, those products from those companies, check them out. Very good people. And uh, last but not least, I might as well put a little plug out there. If you're looking to buy a Model S or Model 3, or even a Model S or Model X, I should say, <laughs> uh, feel free to use our referral code. That's Trevor41818. Every little bit helps us get us to that, uh, to that Roadster, and uh, there's some progress being made there. And uh, that gets you six months of free supercharging. So that's it for tonight. Thanks for joining in, everybody, and we'll catch you on the next one. We'll see you later. See you soon. Thank you. Bye. Good night, everybody.